you can be seated. It was an awesome, awesome song choice that we don't want to talk like wisdom isn't in the room because wisdom is going to be here as we open the Word of God. So uh, feel free if you have a smartphone, go ahead, pull up your Bible app, follow along as we get into the scriptures. If you have notes on your smartphone or if uh, you have a pen and paper, that is awesome. Take notes because uh, I'm going to be throwing a lot at you um, here in the next few weeks. And uh, kind of what our, uh, our processing time at the end is, is Pam's going to come and she's just going to play. And then uh, there's going to be some questions uh, that you can just take some time for personal reflection uh, that you can write down. And then at the end of our series, you can see um, maybe some things you've picked up or maybe some scripture that's come alive to you. Don't you love when you've read a scripture your whole life and then when something new is presented forth and something pops out of it and you're like, I've never looked at a scripture that way before. Me and Sandy Arnold were just talking uh, about that before uh, church started. So I pray that uh, you'll get some fresh revelation um, through the timeless, authentic word of God. Uh, so you know what's neat is as we uh, open up the book of Proverbs, Proverbs is all about uh, choosing the way, as I said, of folly, of the foolish way, or choosing the way of wisdom. And really, uh, Ecclesiastes, Proverbs, and Job, uh, if you study the Old Testament, that's known as wisdom literature. So all of those kind of complement uh, each other. And uh, as I was just doing some, some research and some study, uh, wise and wisdom, just in the book of Proverbs, is mentioned over 125 times. So we see the importance of wisdom coming forth. And this evening, I want to really look at, at Proverbs 1 through Proverbs 9, because Proverbs is set up in a very interesting way, where when we think of Proverbs, we think of, uh, you know, the, the truth that just comes at you like this, which is really 10 through 29 is when you see a lot of just the practicality of Proverbs come forth. But 1 through 9 is this really long, drug-out introduction of really setting up for it. And so this evening, I just want to give you a, an overview of really what those first one through nine is, because you have to really get the heart of that before you can take some of the, the bluntness of Proverbs 10 through 29, where it gets touchy, telling us how to handle our finances, tell, telling us how to handle our relationships, our sexuality, all these kind of things. You've got to catch the heart of Proverbs before the truth of it comes and hits you in the face. Don't we all just receive truth a little bit better when we get the heart of that person or get the heart of the Word of God before we, before we get it? So uh, my prayer for you tonight is that you get the heart uh, of Proverbs. Uh, several things. I've been really studying in uh, uh, my Orthodox study Bible, and I've been going through. Me and uh, Bree took a, a wisdom literature class in our Bible school, and I've dug a lot of those things up uh, just to refresh myself. Uh, just to give you uh, some great commentary, get you some great truth. Um, and even as, Pam, you were talking about, the awesome thing about Proverbs is, depending on the month, you can read one a day, and you'll go through the book of, book of Proverbs once a month, which is pretty neat. Uh, so I always encourage uh, people to do that as well. I love this. This came out of uh, an Old Testament commentary, and it's so true, but it says, just because you're a believer and you walk in faith, it does not mean you put your mind on the shelf and stop thinking. 
The Lord expects us, you and I, to apply ourselves intellectually and so some serious thinking, apply serious thinking as we study his word. It's easy to just walk in faith, but never, sometimes when we go to church, I'm guilty of it, it's been a long day and we just want to kind of turn our mind off and just feel it. We just want to feel church. But there's something about when we engage our mind in the scriptures and in the word and we engage intellectually that's where we can really grab the truth because what does Matthew 22 say? It says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and what? With all your mind. And so there's something about when you start reading this wisdom literature, it, it starts to really take your thoughts of, okay, this is the way I want to be thinking and, and operating and moving in my life. Sean, if you put Ephesians 5.15 up, it talks of walking circumspectly or walking carefully through life so that we don't walk foolishly, but we walk as those who are wise. And I believe tonight I'm talking to those who want to walk wise. That's why you wrestled the drool outside in order to make sure you were here at church this morning or tonight because you want to be wise. So pat yourself on the back because Wednesdays, that's where I went, I went and tell the Sunday crowd this, but that's where the serious Christians are, okay? So don't tell on me. I'll tell them on Sunday, okay. If you all are okay with it, I'll tell them. Another thing we know is that God set out a divine order that we see in Scripture. And that if that divine order is obeyed, it ultimately leads to success. So when we get God's word for our life and we follow that divine order, you're going to have success in your life. I love this too, is biblical wisdom, this should encourage me as it encourages you, biblical wisdom has little to do with a person, it's a matter of spiritual and moral understanding. So it has little to do with a, a person's education, how much education they may have, where their IQ stands, but your fervor and your heart and your passion to get to know who God is. Your lack of education does not stop you from getting to know God or wherever you feel your IQ is. So here's some other things that I just pulled out through reading commentaries of Proverbs. It says that wisdom is something that is not theoretical. It's something very practical that affected every area of life. It gives order and purpose to life. It gives discernment in making decisions, and it provides a sense of fulfillment in life to the glory of God. Said simply in a proverb, when we obey God, things work for us, not against us. Can we all agree with that? When we obey God, things, we start to see things work for us and not against us. And really kind of the, the title of uh, the message or the talk tonight is it's not about just making a living, but it's about making a life. It's about making a life and not a living. As I was reading the commentary, the, the author of it was uh, sharing a story of really how this highlighted to him. He was a, um, a pastor of, of a church his whole life, and he had got a phone call that there was um, a man who someone had referred him. He wanted to give his life to Christ, so he wanted to meet with this pastor, and he was weeks away from dying in the hospital. And uh, he was sharing the story that uh, as this pastor goes and sits at the bedside of this dying man, he just starts to tell him about his life and talk about some things. And uh, the pastor come to find that he had been married six times 
All of those marriages had failed. And so as he was sitting there sharing all these things, and he, he said that this man had made seven figures. He had an empire he had built, all the wealth and everything that you could have for your life, this man had experienced. And as most people do when they're laying there on their deathbed, said, I wish I would give all that away just to have at least one of my marriages have worked or to really have focused on what was important in life. And that's when he said, it's quite something to make a living, but it's really something to make a life. And I think that is something for all of us. When we get focused on our dreams and the talents and the things that God has given us, it's important to make sure we're doing it through the path of wisdom because the, the guy we're working with, or maybe he's not following wisdom, he'll say there's nothing wrong with going after success, of going after the promotion all the time, but what does wisdom say about it? Because that is our guiding light through life. It was, as I was, I kind of want to share uh, some Proverbs with you because Proverbs just isn't something that's in the Bible. There's Proverbs, there's ancient Chinese Proverbs, there's Proverbs of all societies and cultures. You could even say that we have a proverb here at Gathering Place Church, and this is where I need your help again. If you've been here for some time, you'll know it. It should just roll off your tongue. Believe and receive, or? There you go. Okay, so we know a proverb that's been around here for a while. <laughs> Pastor Joyce loves it. Uh, 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 this is kind of a cool story I wanted to share with you. Is There's a popular proverb that uh, Mark Twain had, had wrote, and he said, Always do right, and this will gratify some and astonish the rest. And there was uh, a former U.S. president, Harry Truman, loved Mark Twain, loved that quote, loved it so much that he actually took it. And if you look at uh, history books or you Google it, you'll see behind his desk in the Oval Office was that quote of Mark Twain. And so it's what Proverbs really are is something so full or something so hard if someone were to ask you, what's Gathering Place Church like, how can you condense that into just a little saying or a little piece of wisdom? So really what a, Proverbs it, a proverb is, is a short sentence based on a long experience or a short statement that takes the place of many words. That's really just what at the basis a proverb is. Um, but what really makes biblical wisdom or biblical proverbs different is it's divine. It's inspired of God. Uh, you look at the life of King Solomon and uh, how he was a man who asked before God, God said, you can have anything you want. And what did Solomon say? He desired wisdom. And it was through his desire of wisdom that uh, he put and together under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, gave us the book of Proverbs, went into the Hebrew tradition and uh, hundreds of years of tradition and pulled all these things out to say, hey, this is the way to live in God's world or to have a godly life. Another proverb I just wrote down, it's when you want a drink of milk, you don't buy the whole cow. So there's a bunch of just really ones, if you don't understand the context behind it, it really doesn't make sense. Here's another one that I didn't really get, but I'm like, well, it said it was a proverb. If vinegar is free, it must be sweeter than honey. So if you come from a culture or society that where you get that, then... That one's for you. I'll just stick with believe and receive or doubt and do without it. Get that one. 
And so, real quick, kind of before I go any further, I found a, just a video that kind of animates and brings to life a little bit more about what Proverbs is. Uh, so, Sean, if you have that ready, take a second, watch it, and it'll kind of break down a little bit of the overview of what Proverbs is. Better than mine. There are three books in the Bible that have come to be called the wisdom literature, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Job. And all of these books are addressing the same set of questions. What kind of world are we living in? And what does it look like to live well in this world? So how to be good at life. Yeah. So each of these books tackles these questions from a unique perspective. And it's important to understand all of them to get a fully biblical perspective on the good life. So as a thought experiment, you could actually imagine each of these books as a person. So Proverbs would be like this brilliant young teacher, and Ecclesiastes the sharp middle-aged critic, and Job would be this weathered old man who's seen a lot in his day. We're going to start by meeting the book of Proverbs, the brilliant young teacher. And she's not just smart, she's smart about everything, work, relationships, sex, spirituality. She has incredible insights, things you wouldn't see on your own. Yeah, she would be the perfect friend to have around when you need really specific advice. So what makes her so smart? Well, Proverbs can see things that most people don't see. She believes that there's an invisible creative force in the universe that can guide people in how they should live. And you can't see it, just like you can't see gravity, but it affects everything that we do. So what's this force? Well, in Hebrew, it's called chokhmah, and it usually gets translated into English as wisdom. It's an attribute of God that God used to create the world. And chokhmah has been woven into the fabric of things and how they work. So wherever people are making good or just or wise decisions, they're tapping into chokhmah. And whenever someone's making a bad decision, they're working against chokhmah. Right, or as it says in Proverbs chapter 1, the waywardness of fools will destroy them, but the one who listens to wisdom lives in security. So it's like a moral law of the universe. Yeah, it's a cause-effect pattern, and no one can escape it. And Proverbs personifies all of this as a woman. Yeah, Lady Wisdom. Right, and she roams around the earth calling out, making herself available to anyone who's willing to listen to her and to learn. Which leads to the second thing Proverbs believes, that anyone can access and interact with wisdom and use it to make a beautiful life for yourself or for others. You can create with it like a designer. Yes, in fact, chokhmah in Hebrew isn't simply intellectual knowledge. The word is also used to describe a skilled artisan who excels at their craft, like woodworking or stonemasonry. So you show you possess chokhmah when you put it to work and develop the skill of making a good life. Okay, that makes sense. So let's do this. Let's go find some wisdom. But before you do, Proverbs has one more really important thing to consider. Chokhmah isn't some impersonal force. It's an attribute of God himself. And so in Hebrew thought, your journey to becoming wise has to begin with what Proverbs calls the fear of the Lord. It's this healthy respect for God's definition of good and evil. And true wisdom means learning those boundary lines and not crossing them. Now, all those ideas you just unpacked are in chapters 1 through 9 in Proverbs. But when I think of the book of Proverbs, I think of the collection of sayings, the Proverbs themselves. Tell me about those. Yeah, those are what you find in chapters 10 on to the end of the book. It's a collection of hundreds and hundreds of Proverbs about any and all aspects of life. And chokhmah gets applied to them, resulting in this wise guidance to help you find a path towards success, and no matter what you do. If I design my life with these sayings, life is going to be good. 
Yeah, or as Proverbs puts it, it'll give health to your bones, prosperity, a long, rich life. Which is a really big claim. But you can see how it's often the case. Wise people, they tend to do better. Things usually work out well for them in life. And so that is the promise and the wisdom of the book of Proverbs. The book. All right, so there's just a little introduction. You know, it's pretty neat how it personified... Uh, like I was saying, when you talk through 1 through 9, Proverbs comes is uh, intertwining with what's known as lady wisdom, and then also as a father instructing a son. If you open your Bible and you read through it, you'll see, uh, you can pick up quickly uh, what the father-to-son interactions are, because it'll start off as my child or my son, listen. And then you'll see the, the poetry of lady wisdom, which I believe there's four Uh, poems of Lady Wisdom, uh, infusing herself in the middle of the conversation uh, to bring uh, a different angle of it. So even as we sang Good, Good Father, if you don't understand the heart of the father instructing the son, then you're going to miss really what Proverbs is all about. Uh, What's needed, and this helps bring context to Proverbs as well, is when you look at 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17, Sean, if you want to put that up, I want to read that with you. Um, and what it says is all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may complete, thoroughly, complete and be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You know, when you look at the words that are highlighted there, doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness, I uh, just kind of wrote this down as, as doctrine is what's right. And reproof is what's not right. Correction is how to get right. And instruction for righteousness is how to stay right. And so when you take uh, the word of God, you see scripture like this. This gives framework that when you read Proverbs, this should be happening as we've been talking on Sundays of how to allow the word of God to judge your life, to examine your life, is you should take these and making sure that you're allow- allowing God's word to direct you and to guide you. And even as you get uh, really Proverbs 10 through 15, gets into a lot of the nitty gritty and hits home in a lot of areas. Um, really the heart is I was looking even behind that is we cannot compromise and expect God to bless us. Because God doesn't work in that level of compromise if we're wanting his blessing and wanting his truth to move us forward. If we're wanting just to slide by as quick as, as easy as we can or just do just enough. The thing of wisdom, and when you, is, we're going to get into some of the poetry of lady wisdom when you see it, you'll see as she is calling for all of us. And she wants everything within us in a life full of surrender so we can have his spirit moving and operating through us. Uh, a Bible scholar by the name of Lovis Goldberg said, wisdom means exhibiting God's character in the many practical affairs of life. And as you saw in the video, you have to ask, what's the key verse that unlocks Proverbs? And it's Proverbs 1.7. You saw that the fear of the Lord, we know it. We all hear it talked on or taught on at some point in our, of our lives. But it says, the fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. And then really it gets amplified in Proverbs 9, 10. It says, the fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom, 
Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. So when you know the heart of God, when you know the Holy One, guess what? You can go with confidence when you allow God to judge your life or you allow the Spirit of God to examine you. As I said on Sunday, and I'll say it many times, is the job of a church or the job of a shepherd is to prepare all of us to be able to take the pill of examination or the pill of judgment and a, where you can go with confidence and understand and have an understanding, have a knowledge where you can pray the prayer and say, Father, however my life is not in wisdom, I give you access because, Holy Spirit, I don't want to grieve you. I want wisdom to have its perfect way in my life. Wrote this down, too, of really what the fear of the Lord is, or you can say it this way, what the respect of the Lord is, is understanding that he's the creator and we're his creation. He's the father, we're his children, and he's the master and we're his servant. It's, as I wrote down as well, it's respecting the foundation of what his wise sayings are. Because when we do, it helps us, the reader, to distinguish between the two paths of wisdom and folly. So here's really where I want to get in the Word, and I just want to read it to you and, and just allow you to see it as we dive into Proverbs. And again, I want to encourage you outside of here is that you take the personal time yourself and just start getting Proverbs in you. Get the heart of it. Read 1 through 9 this week, and then next week we'll, we'll get more into the, the meat of what's going on. I like Pastor Webb. Okay, you're doing it. I'm holding you to that. That's wisdom. This is, um, uh, real quick, before we get into that too, because it, it's good, and I talked about this a few weeks ago, but uh, we see Paul talking uh, to Titus, and really it's all of us as servants. But he says, Adorn the doctrine of God our Savior in all things. Simply meaning, making the Bible beautiful to others by living a godly life. That you hear, you hear it said all the time, is most, most people out in the world, out in the marketplace, are never going to pick up a Bible. But you're the one living the Bible out. You're the most Bible some people will ever see in the entirety of their life. And so when they see your life, as Paul is telling Titus, make it beautiful where someone's going to ask a question. Therefore, as we've been talking, you're going to have a questionable life. And you're going to be able to give an answer seasoned with salt for what's going on in maybe their situation. Or you have an opportunity to present Christ with your life. So when you're walking in wisdom, guess what? Naturally, a byproduct of that is you're going to have a questionable life. So if you open your Bibles to Proverbs 1, we'll also have it on the screens as well. I just want to read through it. And you, feel free if you just want to allow the soothingness of my raspy voice just to saturate your ears. Uh, you can shut your eyes and, and uh, just allow these, this wisdom to penetrate. Um, I wish I had a voice like Lady Wisdom. I'm sure it was beautiful. I'm sure when she spoke, it was just awesome. But I just want to read this to you, and it, it's up on the screen as well. And I just want to pull a couple things out. Starting in Proverbs 1.1. These are the Proverbs of Solomon, David's son, king of Israel. Their purpose is to teach people wisdom and discipline, to help them understand the insights of the wise. Their purpose is to teach people to live disciplined and successful lives to help them do what is right, just, and fair. These proverbs will give insight to the simple, 
knowledge and discernment to the young. Let the wise listen to these proverbs and become even wiser. Let those with understanding receive guidance by exploring the meaning in these proverbs and parables. The words of the wise and their riddles. Verse 7 here. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of true knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. And this is where it goes into uh, setting it up as a father's exhortation to a son. It says, my child, listen when your father corrects you. Don't neglect your mother's instruction. So we even see the father and mother aspect of it. When you learn from them, it will crown you with grace and be a chain of honor around your neck. My child, if sinners entice you, turn back on them. Let them say, come and join us. Let's hide and kill someone just for fun. Let's ambush the innocent. Let's swallow them alive like the grave. Let's swallow them whole like those who go down to the pit of death. Think of the great things we'll get. We'll fill our houses with all the stuff we take. Come, throw in your lot with us. We'll share the loot. My child, don't go along with them. Stay far away from their paths. In other words, the Proverbs of parents, if you said to your kids, you are who you hang with. So that's, don't hang with those kind of people. They rush to commit evil deeds. They hurry to commit murder. If a bird sees a trap being set, it knows to stay away. You know what's funny? It's saying, okay, birds can even tell when there's a trap or when there's temptation. So we should be smarter than the birds, okay? So it's a little sarcasm there. But these people set an ambush for themselves. They are trying to get themselves killed. Such is the fate of all who are greedy for money. It robs them of life. And this is where Lady Wisdom inserts herself. It says, the, the caption is, Wisdom shouts in the streets. It says, Wisdom shouts in the streets. She cries out in the public square. She calls to the crowds along the main street. To those gathered in front of the city gate, how long, you simpletons, will you insist on being simple-minded? How long, you mockers, relish in your mocking? How long will you fools hate knowledge? Come and listen to my counsel. I'll share my heart with you and make you wise. I called you so often, but you wouldn't come. I reached out to you, but you paid no attention. You ignored my advice and rejected the correction I offered. So I, this is funny, so I will laugh when you are in trouble. I will mock you when disaster overtakes you. Parents, you've been guilty of that as well. When you've told your kids they did it, and then you laughed at them. When calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster engulfs you like a cyclone, and anguish and distress overwhelm you. When they cry for help, I will not answer. Though they anxiously search for me, they will not find me, for they hated knowledge and chose not to fear the Lord. They rejected my advice and paid no attention when I corrected them. Therefore, they must eat the bitter fruit of living their own way, choking on their own schemes, for simpletons turn away from me to death. Fools are destroyed by their own complacency, but all who listen to me will live in peace, untroubled by fear or harm. That should give all of us, us hope because we're going after wisdom. So there's our promise. But all who listen to me will live in peace, untroubled by fear of harm. You know what's neat is I just begin to pull some things out of there. You see wisdom, especially uh, confronting three different types of people, three different types of sinners, if you say. One is the simpleton, the scorner, or the mocker, or the fool. And here's kind of what some commentary said to it, is the simple-minded person is someone who's naive 
and they believe anything but examine nothing. They believe anything but examine nothing. They are gullible and easily led astray. So wisdom speaking to this kind of person. Second one is the mocker. The mocker thinks they know everything and they laugh at the things that are really important. And I thought this was funny. It said that the simple has a blank on their face that's like, wait, what? <laughs> and then the scorner wears a sneer, you know, just sneering. I don't know, someone give me a good sneer. I, I had a hard time with the sneer. And then thirdly, the fool. The fool is the person who is ignorant of truth because they're dull and stubborn. Their problem is not a lack of education, how low their IQ is, but their problem is a lack of spiritual desire to seek and find God's wisdom. Their goals are purely materialistic and humanistic. So these are all three personalities or three types of people that wisdom was calling out to. And you know what was neat too is you see kind of the tone of what wisdom is bringing. First, wisdom is bringing an indictment, you know, saying, hey, here's what you're doing. Here's what's going on. Here's what I'm seeing. Now you have a choice either to continue on in your folly or to get back on the path of wisdom. And so all of us, as wisdom calls and gives us that indictment, we either choose if we don't, or as they give the indictment, then she gives an invitation to say, okay, here's what it is. Now here's my invitation. Now the choice is yours. And so we see kind of how wisdom sets herself up and asks us how long, and this is when we all fall short in an area of our life, as wisdom asks us, okay, here's what's going on, but how long do you plan on remaining in the dangerous spiritual condition that you're in? As I brought out before, look what Proverbs 131 says. It says, therefore, if you choose not to turn and repent, because that's the invitation, is always to come back to a place of repentance and humble ourselves and to get back on the path of godly life and righteousness. It says if we don't ever do that throughout our lives, wisdom says that we'll eat the bitter fruit of living our own way, choking on our own schemes. I thought that was interesting. It used that word choking. And when we are in sin or we're not in a heart of repentance, we're literally just being choked out. But here's what's needed. And then I want to read through Proverbs 8 and we'll pray and, and we'll go. But 2 Peter 3.9 says, and this shows the mercy of wisdom and the mercy of who God is, but it says, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake, for my sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to be drawn to repentance. So the heart of the compassion of, of our good father is always wanting us to be drawn to a place of repentance. And so this is wisdom speaking again in Proverbs 8. And again, if you want the soothiness of my raspy voice, this, you're just getting double blessing tonight. So wisdom calls again for hearing is what it says. It says, listen as wisdom calls out. Here is understanding raises her voice. On the hilltop along the road, she takes her stand at the crossroad. By the gates at the entrance to the town on the road leading in, she cries aloud. I call to you, to all of you. To ra I raise my voice to all people. You simple people, use good judgment. You foolish people, show some understanding. Listen to me, for I have important things to tell you. Everything I say is right. So wisdom is giving us the framework 
we can trust her. Everything she says is right. For I speak truth and detest every kind of deception. Isn't the opposite of, of wisdom, isn't it deception? Just like we saw in the Garden of Eden, the serpent deceived what the word of God was and therefore tried to deceive us. Wisdom is saying, I detest that kind of deception. My advice is wholesome. There is nothing devious or crooked in it. My words are plain to anyone with understanding, clear to those with knowledge. Choose my instruction rather than silver and knowledge rather than pure gold. So it's setting up even what true wealth is. It's not silver, it's not gold, it's not the wealth that we can attain in this life, but it's wisdom, it's instruction, it's knowledge. And we all know this proverb, for wisdom is far more valuable than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with it. I, wisdom, live together with good judgment. I love that too. Wisdom lives with good judgment. I know where to discover knowledge and discernment. All who fear the Lord will hate evil. Therefore, I hate pride. I hate arrogance. I hate corruption. And I hate perverse speech. Common sense and success belong to me. Doesn't our world and our culture need a little bit more common sense? Guess what? They belong to wisdom. Insight and strength are mine. Because of me, kings reign. So wisdom's saying, hey, don't think you're doing all this in yourself. I'm, wisdom's kind of boosting herself up a little bit. Because of kings reign, because of me, kings reign, and rulers make just decrees. Rulers lead with my help, and nobles make righteous judgments. I love all who love me. Those who search will truly find me. That should encourage all of us. When we search her out, we will find her. I have riches and honor, as well as enduring wealth and justice. So wisdom, as you heard in the video, wealth is not a bad thing, but wisdom shows us where, as Scripture says, the love of money is the root of all evil, where we can put money in its proper place and we could use it in wisdom to advance the kingdom of God in our homes, in our workplace, in our families. There's a right and wrong way to everything. There's a folly way of money. There's a way of wisdom with money. My gifts are better than gold, even the purest gold. My wage is better than sterling silver. I walk in righteousness and passive justice. Those who love me inherit wealth. I will fill their treasuries. The Lord formed me from the beginning. Though he created anything else, I was appointed in ages past at the very first, before the earth began. So wisdom is saying, yeah, when, when your father God was creating the earth, I was right there with him, intertwined, helping create what was formless and what was void. And then it goes on to say, I was born before the oceans were created. Let's see. Verse 30, I was the architect at his side. I was his constant delight, rejoicing always in his presence. And how happy I was with the world he created, how I rejoiced with the human family. And here, here you hear the children again. And so my children, listen to me, for all who follow my ways are joyful. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Don't ignore it. Joyful are those who listen to me, watching for me daily at my gates. So when you wake up, look out your window and just say, Wisdom, where are you today? I'm coming after you. If you live in a gated community, good for you. For whoever finds me finds life and receives favor. Somebody say favor. From the Lord. This is true favor. But those who miss me, so there's always the contrast wisdom gives us. But those who miss me injure themselves. All who hate me love death. You hate wisdom, you love death. That's that plain and simple. 
So real quick, what I want to do, I just want to throw out one question. And Pam, if you just come give us a little background music, allow our, us to engage our mind and just have a moment of reflection. As you go this week, take this question with you. The question is for you, Sean, if you want to put it on the screen. It says, if you were comparing wisdom and folly to two modern women, how would each be dressed? So if what we read in scripture are just things that pop right in your head, if you were to take two different women, both on the interior, what is a woman or a person of folly, how would they be dressed? And what is a person of wisdom and how would they be dressed? And then you start taking and dividing those contrasts by the word of God and saying, I'm going to make sure I'm dressed in wisdom and not dressed in folly. So I challenge you as you go in Proverbs this week, as you just begin to write down, okay, this is what wisdom or this was, is what the Father is instructing me is folly and this is what he's instructing me is the path of wisdom. And so when tough decisions come in life or as defining moments or as I was talking Sunday, when you're standing on a threshold about to enter into something God has for you, you're going to be able to choose the path of wisdom and not the path of folly. Because we all want wisdom, right? And we want to make the wise and the right decision. And lastly, I wanted to give this to you as well. I thought what was neat is in Proverbs 1, it says that wisdom stands at the gate or goes into the marketplace. Wisdom isn't supposed just to stay here in the church. It's always supposed to go out into the marketplace, as Scripture says. So wisdom thrives in the marketplace. So that should encourage us as we're sitting in our desk for seven, eight hours a day that we can tap into what, Hebrews, what the Hebrew word hokmah is because wisdom just isn't an idea. It's just not a parable or a proverb, but it's something that is active and you take and you can see the practicality of it start to happen in your marriage and your relationships in every area of your life. And so, Sean, if you just, every few minutes, even as we close, just throw some of those uh, questions up. You can write them down. You can take them with you and just begin to process this week. And even look, okay, this is where I see the father talking, how it, it talks of my child. And just see yourself, you know, what's needed. And I'll bring it probably at some point in our Proverbs series is growing up, Pastor Joyce had got my dad this statue. And it's a statue, and it sat by our, our fireplace all these years. And so it's still there now when we go over. I'm always reminded, but uh, Pastor Joyce got it for my dad because it just talks of kind of a lot of, of how he was growing up, but it's this statue of a golfer, and he's kind of over his young son, you know, showing him how to, to do his first putt. This should kind of bring some, some sense why I talk about golf a lot. Looked at the statue growing up all the time. That's even a bad putt. That's more like that. There we go. But what's neat is, as, as this father's over the son, showing him how to putt, the son isn't even focused on really the proper technique or anything, but what's neat is the son is just looking up at his father because that's really what's important in that moment. It's not, kid could care less how good he hits a putt. He's just feeling the, the warmth of the father standing over him, showing him the technique and, and just feeling that he's cared for. And so that, even as I was studying, I just, when I was looking at that statue, 
That's how we need to see ourselves as we're in this book of Proverbs, as the Father standing over us, showing us the path of wisdom, but not losing sight of keeping our eyes on the Father. So if you bow your heads, I want to pray for you. Father, we thank you for wisdom. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the treasures that lie in it, for it's far more valuable than rubies. As we go, I pray the heart of wisdom, the heart of the Father would be stamped upon us. God, that we, when we look back four weeks from now, I pray we've seen growth in our life. I pray that we've seen how wisdom is dressed and how folly is dressed and how we can put on the cloak or the robe of wisdom in the marketplace, in our families. God, I'm excited for what you're gonna do as we dig deep into your word these next few weeks. Be with us as we go today. We thank you, Lord. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Real quick before we go, we wanna just give an...